Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. This is your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. Hey everyone, this is Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds, and I'm here with Kelly DeMore, the Chief Content Officer at Tech Target. Welcome, Kelly. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today. We're excited to hear more about your role at Tech Target. Um, so let's start there. Can you give us a quick overview of um, your role at Tech Target and also some about your background as well? Sure, sure. So I started in tech um, many years ago, um, 32 to be exact. So I've this market for a long time. And quite honestly, I started right out of college. Nice. Right out of college. It was my first job out of college in 1989. And I started at PC Week, which is no longer in existence. It's now eWeek. Um, and through the years I have overseen, I've been editor in chief and I've overseen a, a number of different um, um, print publications, online publications. And now I am the chief content officer at Tech Target. So what do I do? Um, I manage a staff of 120 editors, so we have a lot of editors on staff on a lot of different niche technologies. Um, as part of that role, um, I oversee the content strategy for the overall organization, so that means I need to ensure that the quality of our content is, um, you know, very good. I need to understand the business initiatives of our organization and then how content helps drive those initiatives. Um, that is certainly a different role than most of the editors. Most of the editors, their audience is the reader, right? Mm -hmm. And I need to make sure that we're providing the best content for the reader, but I need to be that link to understand what our organization, um, how our organization leverage, leverages the content and, and making sure that I'm um, delivering against that. Um, I need to um, understand what content is resonate, resonating with audiences and, um, and making sure that my editors are strategic. And what I mean by that is um, I have editors that are one year out of college and editors that have been in the market longer than, than I've been in the market. And um, everyone needs to be thinking strategically about their content in terms of what is resonating with their audience, what is performing, what is, what is doing well, what isn't doing well, why do we think it's not doing well, and making sure they understand their audience that they're writing for. So I need to really push the teams to think about that and to do that. And as a result of that, I would be the person that would be spearheading a lot of the big picture initiatives that need to be rolled out for all um, the particular um, the particular sites. So my role is really um, big picture and strategic. I used to write. I started out as a reporter. I love writing. Um, I used to edit. I used to write columns. I had a lot of bylines. I would say in the last four or five years, I do far less of that than I jump in and do something like that. Um, I think the people that report to me don't know that and don't believe that. So I just don't do it anymore. So it's really a strategic role. Wow, that is interesting. You have a lot of responsibilities on your plate. I mean, managing 120 editors. So you said, you know, part of your role is ensuring that the content's resonating. How do you do that? Um, we have a great um, 
data analytics team here at Tech Target uh, and a lot of dashboards. So, you know, I'm blessed that we have that. Um, I've been at other organizations where we didn't and we kind of are gut of what we think is, is happening in the market. Now, I think the first and foremost thing that editors need to do is talk to their audience. So they need to be talking to, for us, it is IT professionals, decision-making decision professionals who are purchasing technology, right? So they need to be talking to users a lot so they understand what the pain points are. So that's one lever by which we understand what right content is. The second lever is again, these dashboards. So I can go in to a dashboard as can all of our editors and I can look at what stories brought in organic traffic, what stories brought in newsletter traffic, what stories brought in social, what stories brought in new members. And I can drill down to the title of that member. So I can look at a particular story and know that I brought in 10 new um, members to the audience and three were CIOs, one was an IT administrator, one was a network administrator and really get a, a sense of it. And I think that that sometimes provides a real level set for editors. I think that there's this assumption that they're writing for one particular audience and then this story will resonate and they need to look back and see if that in fact that was the case and there might be other audiences that are interested in those types of articles. So we have a lot of dashboards and, and that's another role that I play is I work with the data analytics team weekly in terms of getting feedback on the initiatives that we're doing as well as asking them to help us with the analytics so that my editors can make um, informed decisions. That's amazing. Um, you can really map that ROI at this point. I'm sure that's, that ability to do that has evolved so much throughout your career. Um, that's incredible. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's great. I mean, when you think about how we started in print, in print, you would just, um, you would have the membership, your circulation, and then you would make an assumption based on surveys around pass along. And that's really the only ROI you could give vendors or, or clients is their ads. And we know that these many, you know, this many people are, we think are reading it. And in today's uh, market, you know, you can get down to the the users that are reading it and their titles and and their geographies. So um, it's great. It, it's great to have that information. Um, yeah. There's only so many hours in the day, though, in terms of editors are very used to writing and editing and are going to need to pull them back a little bit and making sure that they're being really effective in what they are writing, what they are editing and looking at those analytics. Sometimes we have so much data that mm -hmm don't even know where to begin, right? So kind of helping them look at look at this dashboard and we want to look at this and we want to look at that to help you make your decisions. Yeah. yeah, that's fascinating. And you mentioned another part of your responsibilities are looking at the big picture strategic initiatives of Tech Target. What are some of those right now at this point in time? Yeah, there's a few big initiatives that um, we're working on. So we're working on one, we've been working on one initiative for um, about a a year, year and a half, and internally, well, externally, it's called Tech Accelerator. Internally, it's called Pillar. And what it is, is we will take a particular topic and we will cover it from what it is, starting at the definition, to implementation. So we might have 20 stories on, um, as an example, 5G would be one of our pillars. Mm -hmm. AI mm -hmm. is one of our pillars. Um, and we would, we would see what content we had that would kind of take our reader through a journey where they would want to dig in and learn a little bit more. And we have these comprehensive packages. So um, again, and they're all interlinked. So it's probably 20, 25 pieces 
within each and they take about three months to do and most of the pieces are about a thousand to two thousand words so it's pretty it's really extensive and they're on core uh, concepts that we cover at Tech Target. So that's one strategic, strategic initiative. Another initiative we have is we just recently acquired ESG, which is mm -hmm. a firm in BrightTalk. And BrightTalk is a webinar platform. And so I'm working with those organizations to understand what type of content they produce and how that integrates and how that um, can either kind of amplify, supplement what we're doing um, and, you know, understanding that from a strategic point of view. And then the third thing is we, um, we launched a, a YouTube channel um, a little late in the game there, but, you know, this is for our whatis.com site, which is a lot of general learning content and definitions. So now we have two minute uh, definitions. We do one a day. We have about 400 of them now. Um, an opportunity to bring in a broader audience into um, our sites. So um, that's been a really exciting initiative as well. That's amazing. It's so interesting. You know, on this podcast, we talked to so many reporters and journalists who are doing the writing. It's so cool to get this inside look at the business side of the content and how everything is um, organized and how, how you leverage data and all of that. That's super fascinating. Yeah, it, it, it's fun. It's, a, it's, yeah. it's definitely a fun job. So um, in your eyes, how, what do you think makes a good tech target story? I think what makes a good tech target story is um, first you need to start off with um, what is the need of an IT professional and how do you find that out? You look at what has resonated on your site and you, another thing that we do is we do a lot of search engine optimization. Mm -hmm engine optimization analysis. So we look at what people are searching on and do we have content that um, aligns with that? So a, a good story would be something that is a big audience need, both we know our existing members, like with our newsletters are interested in, and we know the broader audience is interested in it and that we can answer um, a question or a particular pain point. Um, so that's a really good tech target story. I would say tech target stories more generally um, have a long tail. They should be um, pretty evergreen and they should bring in, if I look at traffic, you know, you're going to get an uptick when something is first published, but after those first couple months, it should be optimized and it should be, again, um, addressing a reader need that I'm consistently getting traffic to that story because at some point an IT professional is coming in and we have a story that is solving a particular pain point that they have at a time at, at that time. Mm -hmm. The long tail it needs to be SEO optimized. It, a successful story would be bringing in a consistent amount of traffic for one year, two years, mm -hmm. three years out. And in fact, the editors look at this and they know what stories are their all-time most traffic stories and which ones do well in that particular month and which ones they've touched and they've owned and which ones are just these stories that keep on giving. And it's constantly bringing in traffic because it is a well-written story and people are searching on it. And so it answers those questions. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you have, and this may be, you may not have this on top of your head, but do you have an example of one of those that consistently brings in traffic, like even years later, any topics in particular that stand out to you? Um, yeah, and you know, and it depends, oh yeah, I can give you a couple ones, especially with regards to security. Yeah. So, you know, our security 
news, right? So that, that is what's happening day in and day out. But we have a fair amount of content and CISSP training. And um, that brings in consistent traffic um, throughout the years. We have, you know, if you're talking really general, we have a piece of content that is like the different types of firewalls. Mm -hmm. so that again, very general, that would be something that would be on what is, but that would generate a lot of traffic um, consistently. And then we have definitely more technical stories that bring in a lot of traffic as well. I'm trying to think of um, one in security because the CISSP is definitely more like self-improvement learning. It's mm -hmm. a little purchase intent. Um, types of firewalls are um, a little bit more um, general, but there's definitely other. Actually, we just did a story that's doing really well on the SolarWinds hack. Mm -hmm the things you need to understand and the implications and the key takeaways of SolarWinds hack. So those types of things are kind of all over the map in terms of, you know, introductory and um, getting really um, in the weeds. Mm -hmm. Another story, another set of stories that do really well for us is um, stories and tips around PowerShell, Microsoft PowerShell, because we have okay. a lot of admins that, you know, are, need to do that day in and day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's 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 fascinating. Um, and then I'm sure you know the editors and reporters get pitched from you know different companies and PR professionals to get into these type of stories. And I mean, in the security and tech space, there's so many different vendors at this point. Um, how do you think you know from your content perspective? How do you think that companies should differentiate differentiate themselves in such a crowded space to maybe be a resource for an editor or a part of these types of stories? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard. Um, you know, probably about 10 years ago, um, I used to oversee searchsecurity.com. Mm -hmm. Within the last five years, I, I oversaw darkreading.com. So like, I know the security um, uh, market fairly, fairly well in terms of overseeing it. And I would say that security is a really, really, crowded space yeah I would say security does a better job than other technologies in terms of kind of trying to come up with that news hook or customize a little bit more but because there's so many announcements it's really hard to get in front of um, a particular reporter because they're just coming at you mm -hmm. well, I what I would really what I always recommend is you know you need to you need to understand the audience that they're writing to so you need to understand their organization right and you need to really establish a relationship with with a, a reporter so that you're not only always pitching your particular press release so you're offering up hey i have an expert in this you know vendor x who could weigh in on something that's happening but it, you know it's not necessarily directly related mm -hmm. to a new product pitch. And once you establish that relationship where, you know, reporters especially are looking for a quick turnaround and they need that commentary and they need it yesterday when something breaks. And if you can be someone that can help facilitate an interview and help them, you know, when you have something, there's already that affinity, there's already that recognition of you as either a PR person or that communications conduit. So it really truly is about relationships. And I know that's hard because there's so many different organizations and where you as PR or communications needs to place your bets. But um, I think that's the most successful and effective way 
to uh, make sure that you get, um, you know, your, um, your point of view out there. And then I would say, make sure that when you get someone on the phone, they're credible, like they're probably more of a technologist as opposed to a marketer. Mm-hmm. Go into marketing um, language. I mean, we get marketed to every day. I'm sure. I'm so making sure that you can kind of strip that out or you have a true technologist that can really speak to whatever the story is, is super helpful and super appreciated. And then the last thing I would say, this is definitely an issue that um, editors have. Um, and, and an organization as large as ours, um, it becomes a problem. If you know your role is to get the, you know, get the story placed. And so you're going to pitch to as many people as you can right? Because that's going to increase your um, likelihood of getting it. But if we find out internally that you've, you've briefed and you're pitching multiple people, like Mm -hmm. so many hours in the day, we really need one person to cover that. And um, that, that makes it hard for us. Then someone's going to like, they didn't take another pitch because they thought that they were the only Mm -hmm. one to that organization. So you need to be careful there. I mean, I understand why it's done, but you just need to be careful because it can come back and, and, and burn you a little bit. If now you've got two annoyed editors and, you know, they think you're wasting their time. Yeah, that is so well said. There's, I mean, in, in those like two minutes you were talking, so many takeaways that, you know, people really need to hear and apply. And that's a good last point you made because there, your organization is so large. There are so many different people there. So being very mindful of who you're actually reaching out to with a story is going to be very important. Yeah. And I would just say, we have a, a document we can follow up with of who does what, because I would say a couple of years ago, I would understand why people would pitch to a lot of different people. We have site editors that create this evergreen content, but we had some news editors that were embedded there. And mostly for, most of the times for PR, you know, you're really, you want the news reporters, like Mm -hmm. ones that are writing those stories. And sometimes you're pitching to a site editor or an assistant editor who hasn't been here that long, and they don't know what to do with your pitch. Like they don't, Mm -hmm. don't have the experience yet. And so they probably ignore you because know when they think that you've gone to somebody else. I reorganized a couple years ago. So I have, you know, a document of points of contact of who you should go to first. Um, if anyone is interested, it will make your lives easier. And it quite honestly makes our lives easier. Yeah. Anyone who's listening to this podcast has a question and says, hey, I want to pitch this. You can absolutely email me at kdemore at techtarget.com. And I will, I will forward it or I will put, send you in the right direction because you know, it makes all of our lives easier. We're not trying to make your jobs harder. And oh, any- I love that. Yeah, definitely send that along. I think we'll, we can post that and share that, that with this episode too. That'd be super helpful. Okay, sure. Um, and then I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you also about, you know, the landscape of the past year and a half and how, um, you know, the pandemic and, you know, everything going on in the world, how has that impacted Tech Target, whether it's from your content perspective or a digital media approach or events or, anything. I'm sure there's yeah. been a, an impact that we've all had to uh, adjust to. I'm curious about Tech Target's take on that. Yeah, um, it was really interesting. I would say in the very uh, in the very beginning, in terms of how we shifted, we had our news reporters kind of reporting on, you know, events being canceled and all that sort of stuff. And within about three weeks, I took a step back and I said, okay, everyone, uh, let me take a step back. And then the news reporters reporting on the news, but the site editors plan things out probably a quarter ahead. Okay. 
they're already planning things. And then I was like, whoa, 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 site editors, we need to stop and take a, take a step back. And for every site, you need to think about your audience and how the pandemic affects your audience. So if you have some technical um, content, a tip or, or something, you need to shift it and say, is that really what is important right now with the pandemic? And everyone was able to shift and um, write content that was a little bit more germane to what IT professionals were going through. So that was really what we did, you know, in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, reporters had to, you know, cover virtual events. They're harder for reporters to cover, quite honestly, because they like to see users in person and get those relationships and talk to them. And when you're in the virtual um, platform, it's not as as easy to do. And and you know, quite honestly, vendors can limit your, your exposure to other people. Some do, some don't. So I think it was a little bit more difficult there. In terms of like personal stuff, uh, we have a pretty flexible organization where people come and go, like they don't have to be in five days a week. Mm -hmm. So we're already organized in terms of working remotely. So we were able to do that in, in day one. I think the only thing that really changed for us is no one went back in the office and we had implemented Tombs teams and zooms right before this happened so now we're on video a lot more than mm -hmm. to be um but in terms of flexibility there wasn't really a big um shift and when you look at you know then what we did was we were pretty reactive in terms of these pillars that i talked about getting uh you know a lot of stories that we already had and packaging them together we launched one on ransom um, ransomware during the pandemic. We launched one on telecommuting. We launched one on crisis communication. We launched one on HR communication during the pandemic. We launched one on pandemic planning. So we were able to quickly package and aggregate um, content. So we reacted that way. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, you know, you know, it's just been tough for everybody because of just life stuff, right? Your kids mm -hmm. home, you're trying to juggle things. And um, um, I think everyone's looking forward to being back in the office and having a mix of yeah. working at home and being in the office. Absolutely. Um, and I have a couple of listener questions for you too, Kelly. Um, so every year there's uh, you know, a new trend or issue that, that people talk about, that everyone writes about. Of course, some of the things you just mentioned, working from home, juggling um, COVID-19, uh, the political landscape. What do you think will be some of the biggest topics and um, maybe have already been so far in 2021? And what do you see coming for this year? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think that um, one thing that I, I think will be fascinating, uh, we quite honestly don't cover it that much, is ed tech. Mm -hmm. In terms of how are we going to implement technology, you know, there's been a lag in, in that vertical um, as you compare it to other verticals. I, I personally, that's like a personal one that I think is going to be fascinating to watch and see how it, um, how it shapes up. You know, anything cybersecurity now, like, you know, we started with the SolarWinds hack, mm -hmm. ransomware. I mean, it's just, it has been white hot for 10, 15 years. Like it isn't, it, the, the need is not abating. Like, obviously we know that it's a far more strategic initiative than it was in, in years past. But I mean, I think that we have to absolutely watch that space and we have invested um, more people in security um, as a result of um, just, you know, how important it is. You know, there's like certain technologies like, you know, SASE and, you know, zero trust and mm -hmm. 
these concepts, like SASE as an example, you know, when you had a, a relatively emerging technology, previously it might take five years to take off. With COVID, some of these technologies took off within a year. Right. And so you're seeing emerging technologies be implemented far more quickly. Um, I think it's interesting too, AI and machine learning, like how are we going to leverage those? We've seen it. It's a lot of marketing hype. Everyone talks about AI and machine learning with every product that we have or that they have. And it's one of those buzzwords that you have to really kind of dig in. But, you know, where are we really going to start to see it in action and, and how it will help? And then lastly, this is another one I'm, I'm interested in more um, personally, but, you know, how can tech firms really advance diversity and inclusion? Mm-hmm. We're not particularly uh, good at that historically. Um, and I think everyone is really trying to, to make an effort there, but it's um, it'd be something it, that would be nice to see where we are doing more of that in terms of our, our coverage um, and want to kind of watch that space. Yeah, no, that's, those are all, I mean, huge topics. I'm sure we'll continue to see throughout the year and we'll definitely be watching the tech target site to follow a lot of that. Um, and then lastly, uh, maybe something our listeners don't know about you, but what, what are you interested in outside of work and outside of your role as a chief content officer? Yeah. Um, you know, interesting. I have, I have two teenagers, so <laughs> I don't have too many interests outside these days. Hopefully in a couple of years, I will. Um, I am very interested in, um, I love interior design. I was just joking with my husband today. Like if I'm not super busy, I'll end up like renovating something. Oh, I love that. You know, silly, I'll just, you know, end up redoing a room and stuff. I love to cook. Um, And I'm interested in um, international development and and policy issues. Um, I did take a couple years out of tech and I got a degree at the Kennedy School of Government and worked at Oxfam for a few years overseeing their oh, wow. So yeah, that that stuff is near and dear to my heart in terms of what we can do to help um, um, and invest in developing countries. So wow. yeah, that's great. Um, and then anything else, any other final takeaways, Kelly, anything, anything that you want to tell us is coming up for Tech Target or anything else you want to share? Yeah, no, I would just say that for anyone who has any uh, any questions uh, with regards to who to pitch, um, you can absolutely send me an, e- an email. I'm not somebody who doesn't answer my email. My email is probably where I go to the most and I can point you in, in the right direction. And um, I have done this in the past as well. If you have a pitch and um, you are kind of stuck I can look at it and say if I really think it's newsworthy or not, I'll be honest. Mm. Uh, do I've been getting pitched for as I started this podcast for 30 years. So I know, you know, people that have been really effective. I know good pitches or what I know will resonate. Mm-hmm. A reporter, they might be perfectly fine pitches from your perspective, right? Like I'm not saying what you do is a bad pitch. That's not, the, it's just, I know where a little like, I know when a reporter will most likely click on something versus they might just take a pass on it. Well, that is a very kind offer and you may get taken up on that, but that, no, that's great to know and a great resource. Um, and we'll definitely share the, um, what you were mentioning about the uh, roles of each person and what they're covering. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, no problem. Great. Well, Kelly, it's been a pleasure getting to know more about you and learning about your role and the kind of behind the scenes of content at Tech Target. It's been fascinating. 
Yeah, and thank you again. Thank you again for reaching out. And um, I really appreciate you spending the time with me. Absolutely. And we'll be in touch soon. Um, For everyone listening, this has been Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining us in today's episode of Inside the Media Minds. To learn more about our podcast and hear all of our episodes, please visit us at w2com.com slash podcast and follow us on Twitter at Media Mind Show. And you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found.